0: You're listening to The Q's Podcast, Episode 60. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're choosing The Q's Podcast, where we speak with credit union leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, Lisa Hograff, a senior editor with Q's. In this podcast episode, we'll focus on what talent hoarding is and how you can avoid it using a talent succession program. Our guest today is Annette Matthews, CEO and founder of Aspen Edge Consulting. Annette will present the session, Who's Next in Line? Growing Talent as If Your CU Depended on It, at our Director's Conference coming up December 2nd through 5th in Hawaii. Of course, at Q's, we think your CU does depend on your doing a good job of growing talent. You can learn more about the conference and net session by visiting dc. Some key takeaways from this show include the fact that hoarding your talent, that is, keeping staff from learning and advancing within the organization, is detrimental to employees and the overall credit union. It can result in lowered staff morale and engagement, increased turnover, and a lessened ability to do internal recruiting. The show also gets into why credit unions in particular can fall into the talent hoarding trap, plus six ways to know if you are hoarding talent. And it will also cover how metrics and a talent succession plan can help to ease any problems you might be having with talent hoarding. Okay, now let's jump into the conversation and learn more about talent hoarding and how to avoid it. Hi, Annette, and welcome to the show. Hey, Lisa. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to learn more about the subject we are going to talk about, talent hoarding. I'm excited not just because (laughs) it sounds like reality TV, but also because talent is such an important topic for cues, for credit unions, and for the future of our industry's work to improve members' financial lives. I think this episode will help our listeners know more about what talent hoarding is, why it's a behavior to avoid, how to know when it's happening, and, importantly, what to do about it. To give our listeners the opportunity to know a little bit more about you, Annette, would you tell us a little bit about what kinds of activities you focus on as the founder and CEO of
1: Aspenage Consulting? Sure, I'd be happy to. So I spent over 25 years in human resources leadership before starting my own business. And I took the parts of HR that I loved and left everything else behind. And so the parts of HR that I really loved was really helping individuals and teams grow and become the best and most effective that they can at their jobs. So I focus really on guiding leaders. I have a couple of programs. One's called Manager's Edge. That's a modular-based program that helps brand-new leaders become more effective, and I'm going to be launching an online version of that this fall. And I also have an intentional leadership program, which is more the mid-level senior leadership program. I work with teams and help them become more effective. I use instruments like Myers-Briggs and DISC and emotional intelligence instruments, and I coach individuals as well. So that's a little bit sort of the primary focuses of my business. It sounds
0: like you very much like the people side of human resources. I
1: love the people side of it, (laughs) whether I am one-to-many in a classroom or one-to-one with the individual in a coaching situation. That's just really where I get my passion from and where I thrive. I just love seeing people become more self-aware and really helping them grow and just becoming really, I guess, visionary and having a lot of intention behind their leadership, not just waking up and going into work, but really saying, how can I become the best leader, the best team player that I can in the business? I love that.
0: That's wonderful. I think that your passion for people probably plays in very nicely to our topic today. And I guess I'm ready to learn more. Annette, would you... Tell us more about what exactly talent hoarding
1: is. Sure. I think talent hoarding is really when companies or managers keep their their best employees in their current roles. And they're not providing advancement opportunities or career development opportunities and really just holding on to them at the detriment of the employee and the detriment of the organization. And what are some reasons that people hoard talent? <laughs> Good question. You know, it's interesting because I think uh, people hoard them for a lot of reasons. You know, in business we all have goals that we set for ourselves. And we have goals that the business sets for us as well that we need to achieve. And many times people will hold back those employees and hoard their talent because they want to continue to achieve those goals and be top performing. We have bonuses and incentives tied to those goals many times. And if you have new employees coming into the business, it takes them a while to ramp up and to become familiar with what's going on. And so they may not be as effective initially. And so holding on to them, you know, has some selfish or personal benefits. I think also... It's a chore to hire new people, frankly, you know, all of the interviewing and recruiting process and training new employees, so I think that's another reason, you know, to go through that process, and I think sometimes, you know, uh, businesses put freezes on, you know, you have budget freezes, and so there might be a fear from a manager about not being able to replace that employee. There was a study, and I think it was done by the Wall Street Journal recently, and the study said that over 50% of managers actually admit to doing that, to, to hoarding their employees. I found that to be a staggering number. They don't necessarily admit it when you ask them, when you talk to them about it in business, but during this confidential survey, over 50% of managers admitted that they do it. So I think it's, you know, it's a hidden problem. But because people don't want to admit. Yeah. And people don't want to admit to doing it, but. Also, I think within poorly managed corporate environments, they don't have processes in place, and there's not a internal movement metric that measures when top employees have been on a team too long. And so I think because that is hidden and because we don't talk about it, I think that that's part of the reason that it's it's happening and we're not really aware of it as much as we could be or should be. We definitely know that what gets measured gets done. And there's a focus put on that. So I think it's something for businesses to start looking at from a metrics perspective.
0: That's very interesting. Do you think that's a metric that could be developed or is it just too soft to measure?
1: I think in the past it has been too soft, but I think you can. I think you can just start to say how long, you know, simply stating how long has has everybody been on a particular team? And just start from that particular perspective. Now, there are some reasons why people need to be on teams for a certain length of time. So I don't think it's a, it's a hard and fast rule, but I think it's something to start looking at. It's just a metric to say, okay, let's, let's take a peek at it, especially in the credit union world. And why do I say the credit union world? Well, my own experience... I worked at a credit union for a big portion of my career, and while being there, I saw a lot of employees who had been there 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they had been in the same role. Sometimes employees enjoy that, but other times they want to move on, and it's those managers that are really holding them back. Such a great topic.
0: It seems kind of intuitive that hoarding talent would not be a practice that any of us would want to practice or that it wouldn't be an environment we would want to work in. But can you articulate more specifically what are the reasons that people should learn not to hoard talent? Sure.
1: I think you start to have employees who have low morale. If they are looking for a challenge, if they want to get ahead, And a lot of the new employees coming into the business, they're eager to learn. They want to have advancement in their careers. I know when I worked um, in the credit union world, everybody, it seems like, wanted to become a branch manager someday. And so, you know, if they are not having those opportunities to have increased challenges, you know, their morale drops, their job becomes monotonous, they'll start to leave. They'll find companies that are larger, more progressive and so your retention will start to suffer. I think when you also look at high-potential organizations or high-performing organizations, they're two times as likely to prioritize talent movement in their businesses. And I think when you look at low-performing companies, they're two and a half times more likely to say, talent mobility doesn't matter. Think about you know the employees' frustration that goes along with that. I think also a lack of cross-pollinization could be a problem for an organization. So if you are not promoting those employees and having them move around the business to other departments and that cross-pollinization of departments with other business units, your innovation is going to slow down as well. So I think that those are, you know, all reasons. I think also, you know, thinking about external recruiting, you don't want to have to always rely on external recruiting. For your pipeline of talent within your organization, you know, your talent, your business will suffer as a result. So learning to cultivate that talent from within and and becoming a, a developer of talent being known as that could be advantageous for the organization.
0: I've definitely learned in my years as an editor. During which part of the time I was the h r section editor, that having a bigger pool gives you more options, right? so if you're developing your internal talent and you have the option to look outside, you have
1: more options total that makes sense, yes, yeah. and I well, and then you're really saying, who's the best of the best? We're not relying on one or the other, but you're really finding the best possible candidate and I think You know, sometimes bringing new employees into the organization is great. They bring new ideas, new methodology, but you want to make sure that your existing talent is not becoming disengaged in the process.
0: Great. Thank you for that. So I'm sure none of us would want to be talent hoarders, but it sounds like if there's a (laughs) lack of metrics out there for knowing if talent hoarding is going on, what are some ways to, without the metrics, know that? talent hoarding is taking place in your organization.
1: (laughs) Well, I wrote a blog on this a few months ago, so folks can uh, get additional information on my website, AspenEdgeConsulting.com, if they're interested. But I put on my blog six different ways. And I'll I'll run through them with you quickly. The first way that you know that you're a hoarder is if you're keeping your top performers in their current role. So you could do a little quick exam over your department and a little evaluation and say, okay, who's on my team? How long have they been there? Have they been in the same roles? Have I been moving them around? So that's one quick way. Another way is to say, am I providing career planning or development? Do I have plans in place? Now, most managers will say, oh, sure, we've done some career planning. But I guess trying to think about, you know, has it been written down? What is, has the employee been engaged in the process? I think those formal development plans, employees feel like you're really investing in them. They feel like there's something tangible that they can go through the process and really mark the box. So I think formal development plans if you don't have a written succession plan for each one of your team members. So I look at it two ways. I see career planning as the employee-focused plan, employee saying, here's where I want to go in my business. And I look at succession planning as a business-oriented and needed for the business organization. So not having written succession plans for your particular role so that you're developing people for your position, but also for those team members and all of the individuals on your team, all the different roles on your team. If you can't remember the last time you initiated a conversation about career growth with a direct report, you might be a talent hoarder. (laughs) So, you know, reflecting back to coaching sessions, your one-on-one sessions, do they often, uh, do they regularly talk about career growth? If not, you might be a talent hoarder. Thinking about keeping a valued employee who has given notice and deciding to jump ship to go to your competitor, Trying to keep them back by sweetening the pot or extending a counter offer when you know in your heart it's really time for them to move on. When I was working in HR, one of the strategies I would use when recruiting people from the outside is I would tell them, hey, now if your employer comes back with a counter offer, why didn't they do that before? If they think you're so valuable they want to keep you, they should have offered that. So I use that as a strategy for recruiting people into my business. But I guess think about that. Have you tried sweetening the pot, trying to keep somebody and holding them back when you know that they really, their talent warrants uh, um, an increased physician? And then I guess foregoing training opportunities for your team because they're too busy quote-unquote, to attend the training. I guess that's something I hear sometimes from people. I had a blog the other day that I wrote about, and I, I called it An Hour is Not Enough because when people start to talk about training, they want me to come in for you know maybe an hour to do an, a one-hour training. And I always say an hour is not enough. One hour is really entertainment value, so to speak. You're not getting the, the depth that you need. But that's sort of six different ways that I think You can look at yourself, you can look within your organization and say, are we being talent hoarders?
0: That's a super list, and I hope people will check out the blog on your website, too, to track those and to consider how they might apply to themselves or to their own credit unions. So if someone does follow up and say, hmm, there is some talent hoarding going on, what are some ways to
1: stop it? (laughs) Well, I think that you have to start looking at your employees, and I think you have to say, what are we doing? What are the programs that we have in place? How are we supporting the growth and development? I mean, obviously, looking yourself in the mirror and making a resolution on an individual basis is one way to start. But I think you want to also look about those formal career passing programs, formal career You know, having the career planning and career development written down so employees know what those next steps are. I think succession planning and doing it on a formal basis is another way that you can stop the hoarding of talent. You can start to measure it, having your HR department starting to look at that. Who's been here for a while? Who's not moving on? Doing stay interviews where you're interviewing your people and talking about why do you stay here? What are the opportunities that you love? And I think, again, back to the training piece, but I think those formal training programs, knowing that it's not a quick fix, it's something that you need to invest in. There was a study done by ASTD, which is the Association for Talent Development, and they did this study last year. And it was based on 2016 information. So they surveyed over 300 organizations for their state of the industry report. And they found that organizations, on average, were spending just under $1,300 per employee in 2016 and spending about 34 hours in formal learning per employee. So asking yourself that question, you know, are we investing in our employees, and if so, to what extent? And not fooling yourself by saying, oh, we had a guest speaker come in for a one hour, made us feel really good. That's really not going to change that for the employees. really investing in them on an individual basis, investing in them in groups and by department. Just to tag on to that, Peter Senge, who wrote The Fifth Discipline, has a quote that I just love. And he says, the only sustainable competitive advantage your company has is its ability to learn faster than the competition. And I think that that's the key piece of it is, are you having your employees learn? Now, it doesn't have to all be through formal learning. It can be through learning on the job, learning through mentor programs. So I think there's a lot of ways, but those are just a few ideas that I have. But knowing that it's just not a quick fix, it's going to take some time. It's going to take a real effort. And I think when you think about strategic planning and the goals and initiatives that your organization is taking, you know, is talent hoarding at the top of the list in terms of reversing that trend in the organization? What I mean is, are we are we placing a strategic focus on developing the talents of the organization? Or is it something more just as a, an offhanded, one-off kind of a thing? Are we investing budget and time to get that done? Yeah, it's
0: often said that our people are our biggest asset, and sometimes, yet still, we hesitate to make that investment of time and financial resources in them.
1: I was going to say, I would tell you to put your money where your mouth is. I, I hear employers always say, hey, they're our biggest investment, they're our most valuable asset. Well, are they really? Right? Are you really investing in them and really taking a look at that as a line item and really saying what is our investment from a talent perspective and how are we ensuring their growth and their, you know, their challenge, their, their excitement for the opportunity? How are we investing in their passion? All of those things.
0: Marvelous. Now, I had some notes initially about talking about a talent succession program. Is that another one of the strategies, or is that more a formalization of the various strategies that you've already talked about?
1: Yeah, I think uh, having a talent succession program is a fantastic way to stop the hoarding, really to look at it. And that's just looking at it from a, a global organizational perspective. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that. I would think some key elements of that is really making a commitment at the senior level to say, we're investing in this. It's really important to us. And the succession is, you know, back to that Peter Senge quote, is really critical to the mission of the organization and the vision of the organization. I think you have to make sure that it's not a one-time event. When people do succession planning, they Sometimes think, oh, we've got it. Now I can go in a binder and sit there and collect dust. It really has to be systematic and integrated into the talent business processes and aligned with your strategic plan. You know, have it be an outcropping, if you will, of the strategic plan. I think that you need to incorporate competencies into into that succession plan. But I think one of the key mistakes that a lot of people make, and I can talk more about derailers, if you will, but... I think it's really important to keep it simple and keep it easy to use. I have found more often than not when there are new initiatives introduced into the organization, if they are not kept simple and integrated into really the way the business runs and the fabric of the business and those talent management processes, it becomes sort of a one-off, and that's when it gets put on a shelf where people don't want to you know, follow along and participate in the process and keep it going. So keep it simple, keep it easy to use, align it with your business, incorporate it into your processes, and really just make a commitment that we're going to do this. It's important to the organization.
0: And then reap the results, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, as your people get
0: engaged and processes really start moving, it sounds exciting. Yeah. Wow, Annette, thanks for being our guest on the show today. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners about how once they get their talent succession program rolling that they can keep it on track and keep from being derailed?
1: Sure. I think you want to make sure that it's not an HR-only process, that it is coming from the business and the business leaders. I think you want to make sure that folks are receiving honest feedback. So when you're in those succession planning meetings, You're having lots of uh, honest feedback. And I think making sure that somebody is in charge in the business and accountable to individual's development. I think a lot of times what I have seen is that you put succession plans in place and then nobody is held accountable for the actual development. And I think, you know, just to kind of end this, if you will, I think the opposite of talent hoarding, you want to become, once you start to release, yourself from hoarding talent and when you let people go you actually get more talent and why is that get sort of a reputation if you will of being a talent cultivator you attract top talent that way and it becomes a self-sustaining practice for you the more you help others grow the more you attract other talented people to your business
0: i love that vision annette thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today on the cues podcast Thank you for listening to this podcast from Q's. And thank you again to our special guest, Annette Mathies, founder and CEO of Aspen Edge Consulting. Be sure to visit cuesorg DC to learn more about Directors Conference in December, where Annette will present Who's Next in Line Growing Talent as If Your CU Depended on It. For more talent development content from Q's, visit Q's. Org now, if you're a CUSE member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit CUSE.org slash membership to learn more about our new offerings for 2019. Qs is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Qs can help you realize your potential, Visit QS.org today.